1: Restrictions apply.
2: At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody
4: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a late edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Schmelk, meadow with you. Apologize for the lateness of the show. That is on myself and Sean O'Hara. You'll see a bunch of inside the film rooms pop up on Giants.com and the YouTube channel over the next two weeks, and that's what we were doing. And we still didn't get done three guys that we wanted to do. So uh, we are here now, though, and we'll be taking your calls at 201-939-4513. Uh, It's kind of a quiet period, Lance, if you're not concerned with the Super Bowl in the NFL. So there's not a whole lot of offseason stuff that started yet. The Senior Bowl is, you know, a a week in the back in the rearview mirror. So not a ton going on. We could do a little Super Bowl. I could kind of bring in on what Howard and I did yesterday, which I thought was interesting. Um... Let's start with, I guess, what Howard and I did yesterday. I'd like to get your take on it. I'm sure fans are going to want to react to that a little bit. So we kind of went through the, and we'll do this quick, we kind of went through the quarterback landscape, and the, the criteria that I put that at Howard was, what quarterbacks would you most prefer to have in the next three to five years? And I phrase it that way because that's the kind of decision the Giants are going to be making with Daniel sure. Jones, right? Long-term investment, who do you want here for the next three to five years? And I kind of came up with, depending on how you want to do it, 8 to 9 or 10 guys that I would definitely put ahead of Daniel on that list and I don't think you'll disagree with most of these guys. Uh Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert, I put Trevor Lawrence on the list, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. Those are the four, those are the eight guys that I thought fairly, you know, certain that I would have those guys ahead. Then the guys that we kind of had in the same area as Daniel for various reasons. Um the three big question mark guys I had were like Deshaun Watson, because you just don't know what he's going to be yep. as he kind of gets going, right? Kyler Murray with the injury, because the injury. And then Stafford, because of the neck in the injury. So kind of took three, those three guys, and I kind of put them aside, because there's just questions with regards to where they are. Like, Daniel could easily be ahead of those guys or behind them, depending on where they wind up. And then the guys we kind of had in the same category as Daniel were Gino, Smith.
5: After the good season in yep. Seattle. Yep, Derek Carr. Yeah, Carr, I'd probably put in that other pack.
4: You would put him in the I pack? I think
5: Carr's done I enough wouldn't. over the course of his career where you have a good idea of what you're getting out of him. I don't okay. know if there's as many question marks Fair with enough. Derek Carr.
4: And this is why I have. This is why I wanted sure. to bring you in. Just because I know we, uh, Biz Howard actually had Daniel ahead of some of those other guys. So that's why we're all kind of on different pages here, which is great. Um, who else did I have in there? Uh, Kirk Cousins, though he's a little bit older. Yeah. So I think I had Daniel a little bit ahead of him just because of the... Kurt's 35 already. Sure,
5: yeah. So that's why I kind of... Though he's playing some of his best football. Yeah. Yeah. No question.
4: And Howard is not a fan.
5: Well, I, mean, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other can um, of worms.
4: Garoppolo, which I have slightly below Daniel. Yeah, I'd put
5: Jimmy, especially because of the injury history. You don't know whether or not he'd get through a season. 100% true. But Kirk and Derek I'm putting ahead, though. That's fine. Just for those of you counting at home. Uh, yeah. Tua,
4: again, the injury Tua injury stuff, history, you yeah. Don't I mean, know.
5: Well, also with the concussions, too. Right. You just don't know, yeah.
4: Tannehill... Who yeah. I had again? I've kind of him in the in the Jimmy category in terms of level of play as a quarterback.
5: That's fair, yeah. And
4: then um, Brock Purdy.
5: Uh, I mean, there's not it's enough such a there. small yeah. sample oh, it's size. Tiny. It's my new. So
4: bottom yeah. line is that you know it's we're somewhere in like the ten or twelve ish type of area. With that. So that's kind of where we left it. And again, and and then I went through, I listed all the the average annual salaries for the quarterbacks and just to kind of figure out what the land, Which is also where
5: it would come if you're 12, 13 in that ballpark. That would be, you know, where the franchise tag is right now. It's just actually, below thirty-five. Yeah, the
4: franchise tag is probably below that number. Yeah. Well, I it.
5: mean, I got the numbers in front of me here. Kirk's at thirty-five, and Jared Goff is at thirty-three and a half. That's ten and eleven. Then Carson comes in at thirty-two. So there's the franchise tag. Yep. So mm-hmm. twelve, thirteen is where the franchise tag comes into play, which is where we're talking about volume-wise, where you'd put maybe Jones in the conversation. And keep in mind that Goff contract was signed years ago, so sure. the market has. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. So
4: just something to yeah, keep Yeah, because
5: these mind. are based on average annual salary on contracts more than just a year. Correct. Mm-hmm. This is not just the franchise tag, which is pretty much out there on an island. So that's what we did. If you want to add anything else in terms
4: of context with, with Daniel in that offseason process, we can certainly do that.
5: Well, I would agree with the sentiment. I, I think that Daniel Jones is... In the second tier, if that's where you want to put him. That's right? exactly After where the top we had 10, mm-hmm. You put him in the second tier, and you could really determine a variety of different criteria, whether or not he's that second tier, or you want to do a third tier, whatever it may be. But you're talking about a player coming off his most productive year. There's upside. There's a lot of potential there. And progress. Clearly, the coaching staff did its due diligence in getting that out of Daniel Jones. Now it's a matter of... Well, show me again, right? I mean, I think that's what the Giants are asking themselves. Also, Brian Dable and the coaching staff. Okay, hey, we scratched the surface year one. Now, if we're going to invest in you long-term, other than just smack the franchise tag on you, we want to see whether or not you could do it again. Of course, the individuals around the quarterback are going to change, and that influences the guy under center. But I think that's where the Giants are. I think they like what they've seen, but you're in a crossroads as an organization, John, because you're trying to determine – is this the beginning of Daniel Jones beginning a new chapter in his career, or was this just a flash? I think a lot of teams ask themselves that when you're talking about a quarterback coming off of a rookie deal. If we're having a conversation about a veteran and there's a lot more to go based on what they've done in their career. I don't know if you're asking the same questions. It's more of, is he going to hold up durability-wise? Are we worried about him now entering the back end of his career? Those are the conversations you have. Those you're not doing with Daniel Jones, but it's more of, I still would say, John, even though he had a really good season, you're not... Operating with a huge sample size still with Daniel Jones. I do think the jury is still out a little bit with respect to him.
4: Yeah, and and I think, frankly, and and that's why, in my opinion, I think where this is going to end up landing is probably a shorter-term contract. Because I think whether it's the tag, which I don't think the Giants would like to do because that's very difficult on the cap, right? Because it's all in one year. You can't spread it out and all that stuff. Um, but I think, you know, probably a, a three year deal because, again, the Giants can see more. And then Daniel, as the quarterback market resets, if he does better, he could cash in even more down the road. Which so, I would
5: think he'd want to do as well. Right. So yeah. that's,
4: I think that's, kind of, that's my guess in terms of where this is going to land. And I think the better question, Lance, but again, maybe Daniel would want a longer term deal and get all the security. I don't know the answer to that question. We'll have to see what he wants. And I don't know if the Giants know what he wants since they haven't started a negotiation yet. So, or at least as of a few days ago, they hadn't started a negotiation yet. Um, I'll throw one other question in there that I think is important that I want answered. We saw the efficiency get better, the turnovers get cut down, the pocket presence get better, but the overall production in terms of yards, explosive plays, touchdowns, if you make the situation around him better in terms of weapons outside and protection, can you get more overall production in terms of yards and points? And I think that's why, and this is gonna open us to a bigger, you know, off season thing for me, when and I, I wrote about, I'm gonna write about this for, for cover four next week on Giants.com. When I look at this off season Lance, even if it means the defense doesn't take a huge step, I'm willing to accept that because I, I, I need to answer that question. If the pieces around Daniel are better, do you get four thousand yards? Do you get 28 or 29 touchdowns if the pieces around him are better? I think that's certainly possible. I think we saw pieces of that this year. You know, he used the run game so much this year for key third downs and touchdowns. I, you know, to me, his run game was just as important as his pass game this year in terms of how it helped the team win games and move the ball and convert third downs. So, can the explosive passing part of his game? And the Giants' offense improve with better things around him. That's still what I want to see as you try to build out that offense. A little yeah, bit. I'm completely
5: with you. Listen, we've had these conversations multiple off seasons. We've gotten callers, and remember, I'm sure if you go back to the predictions on the wall, how many people thought you know Daniel was going to get thirty some odd passing touchdowns? Yeah. And John, at the time, I said it's absolutely insane to make that prediction because the track record in the NFL is non-existent. In talking about a guy that had 11 touchdown passes the previous season, you think he's going to go plus 20? And I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. I mean, he wound up with 15. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. I could always use the moral (laughs) and physical support. For you guys not watching, that was me patting Lance on the back, by the way. But that's the realistic outlook. I think you have to look at a quarterback. Now, 15, if that's the starting point, and you're talking about, okay, you improve the weaponry around the quarterback, can we get to... Over 25. Yeah. Or I was going to say 25 would be my my targeted number. I think that's realistic. I don't think that's crazy an improvement of 10 yeah. with better weaponry. But the reason why I'm not willing to go that much further ahead is what you were talking about. You're not eliminating Daniel as a runner. You're still going to have that as a key component on offense. And just like Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts had 35 total touchdowns this season. So the Eagles are saying to themselves, Jalen doesn't have to go out and throw for 30 because we'll probably get maybe seven or eight On the ground. So if you think that way with Daniel Jones, if you can get 25 through the air, which I still think is on the high side, but let's operate with that, and then he gives you maybe five or six on the ground. How many Russian guys do we have
4: this year offhand?
5: Jalen off the top? No, Daniel. Daniel, you know, I was just about to look that up. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure, and I don't even want to venture a guess, because I, I, I do not I do believe it was, believe it was under s- 10, obviously. I think it was
4: six or seven. I think that, that sounds about That
5: would be right. about right, but that could even be on the high side. I'm bringing it up right now. Let's see. Rushing touchdowns this season. He had, well, this is the game-by-game log. Let's go to the totals. Rushing touchdown, rushing touchdown. That's passing. That's, that's passing. I yeah, mean, this they, is some great. They, yeah, they really they right make here. it so this easy is, yeah, for I you know. <laughs> to see these tallies. He had seven.
4: See now, that this was my fault because I, you're so good at having these things at your fingertips. I just assumed you remembered, which was yeah, my fault. No, well,
5: I did not assume and remember <laughs> and any combination of that. But so we're talking about a total of twenty-two. Right. Twenty-two. If you want to base that number as the barometer, then once again, could he get? 10 more next season with better weaponry? Can you get to that 31 32 area? It's not crazy, but I just the reason why I think the passing touchdowns need to be more realistic is that if you're Brian Dable and the coaching staff, you don't want to remove Daniel Jones' elusiveness as a runner from the offensive equation. You still want him to be able to take off, you still want to have those options in the red zone.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this again brings it over to the larger
4: offseason question, Lance, for me. And I'll kind of slide the Saquon Barkley decision into this conversation now, right? You need explosive playmakers. Yeah. The Giants, you know, Slayton did it a couple times, but their true explosive playmaker this season was Saquon Barkley. And we've we don't have to litigate the 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 utility of the running back conversation that we've had over on this show for five years. I think you know where we all stand on this by now. Where you know running back second contracts it gets tricky. Um, it's a passing league now. You know we've been through all that thing a million times. But at the same time, Saquon brought immense value to the Giants this year. He was their big play player. And oftentimes, at least for the first half for the first half of the season, when the Giants really won the majority of their games, remember, they won two thirds of their games in the first half of the year. Their formula for winning during that stretch when they were playing, you would argue their best football was if Saquon makes big plays, the Giants win. If Saquon doesn't make big plays, the Giants lose. That was pretty much the formula for the first seven or eight games of the year when they started the game hot. And you can even take it into the Texans game, which was the Giants' seventh win of the game after the bye. And then, you know, the, it changed a little bit. The Giants won, finished strong. They closed the season pretty well. And they passed a little bit more. But until then, it was the Saquon Barkley show. So if somehow he doesn't come back, it almost becomes essential that you find a true number one wide receiver just to replace the playmaking aspect. And that's where I think this gets so tricky where you want to retain them. You obviously have to put a price on it. As, as, as Joe Shane said in his postseason press conference, it's a walkaway price for every player. But you have to make sure you have playmakers, whether it's wide receiver or running back.
5: Yeah, I was going to say, you could bring in another running back, but you better make sure that that player also has the skill set somewhat similar yeah. to Saquon. Good because luck. Once again, it's to be debated, is he a running back, is he a weapon? Saquon, to me, is a weapon because you utilize him in various different facets on offense. But that's in the eye of the beholder and whether or not you know they put that value on him for what he does as a receiver in addition to a running back. But if you decided, let's say, hypothetically, to move on from Saquon, do they identify somebody in the free agent market or the draft? who they think, okay, we could bring him in and he could do, maybe not identical to what Saquon could do, but they can use him, John, in the same manner. Meaning the plays we have installed, we can swing Saquon out into the flat. We could do the same thing with this new running back. Or we can utilize him as a guy that can run in between the tackles as well as off the edge. If you feel confident based on what your scouting department and pro personnel department did that, then it's fine going that direction. But your point is well taken and I bring up the running down numbers from earlier in the season, they had by far their best running performances within those first eight, nine games. I mean, you're talking about the Tennessee game. They had their, Highest average yardage per carry, and he had two forty-plus
4: yard runs in that game, which is why, or maybe it was one thirty-plus and one fifty-plus. Something. Yeah, like he that. had a thirty-three and a sixty-eight. Yeah, there. Those is. were the there two. Okay,
5: mm-hmm. but you ran for nearly seven and a half yards per carry. Okay, so that's number one. on That the was list. their best running game of the year. Period. Sure. By the way. Mm-hmm. In terms of average yardage per carry, there's no doubt. The highest running total game was week four against the Bears, two hundred sixty-two. Okay, so John, we're still in the first half of the season, right? Which is what your point was. I take it into consideration, I know you don't put a lot of stock in it, runs for five yards or more versus runs for 10 That's yards fun. or more. So they had a game, they had two games, where they had 20 runs for five yards or more. They did that against the Bears. They did that against the Jaguars. And that was Another game, by the way, Jacksonville, where they had over 200 rushing yards. I'm
4: surprised they didn't do that against the Texans, to be honest with you.
5: Yeah, against the Texans. They did not. The Texans, though, was the highest volume of runs. 17 runs for 5 yards or more. So they were close. Just underneath. But they also ran the ball 47 times, if you want to look at it through that lens. And then runs for no gain or negative yards, meaning your cleanest run game. That was against the Panthers in Week 2. And then you go to the second half of the season. Not to say they weren't running the ball well. But none of those games oh, that I just mentioned. Well, Lance, quite frankly, well, they, were, they, weren't, they weren't for a while. No, but I guess my point is, you know, they still had a 200-yard game against the Colts. Yep. They had games in the century mark. So, you know, from a volume standpoint, it didn't look terrible. But if you actually watch the game when and you they... break it down carry to carry, no, it was not nearly as effective. As the early part of the season. When they went through that
4: stretch of the NFC East games. Oh, yeah. That's where the running game suffered. Then it picked up again a little bit against Minnesota and Indianapolis, especially in terms of yards per carry in those games. But when they hit the that stretch of game against Dallas, Washington, and Philly— they had issues running the football against three very good fronts, which I guess shouldn't be a surprise. No, not at all.
5: I mean, you're talking about under five yards per carry. But uh, the Vikings game, six yards per carry. You had the Colts was just under six. So you had some flashes here or there, but the consistency was nowhere where it was in the first half of the season. And this is why I go back to when you walk that fine line and the Giants won eight games right by one score – if you remove Saquon from the equation, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you were maybe alluding to this oh, somewhat. that's exactly what I'm okay. saying. So if you remove that <laughs> and you don't have somebody that could fill in all those one-score games that you won, what happens? Now, we know games are going to follow completely different scripts next season. Who knows, based on the personnel. But this is why I'm not a big believer in what you did one year carries over to the following year right. because if you win all those games by one score and it took a Saquon 68-yard run or it took a monster explosive Saquon run and those kind of those big runs are kind of what disappeared in the second half of the 100%. year 100% and mm-hmm. then if you don't even have him in the equation Correct. In 2023, Correct. well, Correct. how do you make up for that? And that's the thing.
4: That's why I'm not saying you have to bring him back no matter what. You you should never approach a player yeah. that way, unless maybe you're talking about Andrew Thomas
5: and left tackle because of what we've been. No, doing but it shouldn't be a do or years.
4: die decision, right? Yeah. So if if you can't bring him back, or if it doesn't work out for for monetary reasons, and again, I think he wants to be here. The Giants want him here. You hope they can work it out from a business perspective. But sometimes it doesn't. Then you have to have. Big replacement. Like, I'm not talking, oh, you draft a guy in the third round and you'll be fine. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, maybe you get a new running back in the third round that's fine, but he's not going to be Saquon. So then how do you make up for that that loss in production explosive plays at maybe a different position? Maybe it's tight end. Maybe it's wide receiver. Yeah. I don't care. But that's where it gets tricky because to me, again, I'll go back to my bigger thing. The Giants have to put better pieces around Jones the next year or two, depending on how long this contract is, then you can see. All right. Well, we know if you put great pieces around Dak Prescott, he can throw for 35 touchdowns and 4,500 yards. We've seen it, right? Geno Smith, right? He had good weapons in Seattle. We saw what he could do with those really good weapons this year in terms of production. Uh, You know, And if you put, we know what Joe Burrow can do with these great wide receivers around him. Just go down the list. We saw how Josh Allen made the jump, and they got Stephon Diggs. Just you know, we saw what Brock Purdy could do with all those great pieces in San Francisco. when you know, they scheme
5: everything up. Great scheme and coaching too. Kirk Cousins
4: with Justin Jefferson. Go down the list. Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, the offensive line. Blah blah blah. You you get what I'm saying here. I want to see Daniel produce. At that elite level, with better, t- you can't ask him to produce at the elite level without with the pieces around him the way they had last year. It's not fair. But if you get better pieces, can you get that elite production? And that's to me, what this offense, this what this off season is going to be about in one way, shape, or form. Get the, you might you might not get to elite status, but get better pieces around him on offense, and see if you can you know become a top fifteen offense. Right, you got a little better this year. You got to around, you went from like 32 to around 20 or 22, I think is where they landed, somewhere in that area, right, 23. Better. You know what? You got out of the bottom quarter of the league. That's what we talked about in the offseason, right? Just get out of the bottom quarter. That's what they did. Win. But now, get into the top half. And I think in order to do that, you have to get better pieces. And that, to me, is, and again, if I have to take a hit on defense for another year and figure it out, I'll live with that. I need to show improvement offensively.
5: Well, it's interesting because I use Buffalo as a means of comparison. I know it's not identical, but if you look at what Shane and Dable had in Buffalo, they had the flip of the Giants. And what I mean by that, John, is you did not have a Saquon Barkley. You had... Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Was LaShawn McCoy there when they first got there? McCoy might may have, have been, been there right? the first year, but I, think they, I, I think still.
4: Actually, I think they actually cut him, to try, I think or they traded him in order to try to fix the tap up. But remember, even right. at
5: that stage in his career, yeah, he was on the way out. He was much older sure. than Saquon. So your explosiveness came from eventually the acquisition of Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, who was drafted and who developed into a nice piece, and some of their tight ends, like a Dawson Knox. It was the reversal. If they part ways with Saquon Barkley, is Brian Dable and Joan Shane's thinking, if we bolster the receiving core and we get some guys back from injuries such as Wandell Robinson, what we lose in the backfield, we can make up sure. for through the air. Yeah. I just, I find it interesting that he came from a team where the run game was, I mean, I don't even know if complimentary piece is and, fair to describe and it. Where did Mike Kafka come from? Same exact, exact thing. right. So they didn't have a Saquon Barkley. They had nothing that scratched the surface of Saquon, and they still found ways to have explosive plays. And part of it was scheme, and part of it was a variety of receivers. Well, could I, that be also Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes? Well, of course. Yes, there's no, <laughs> no doubt about it. But I mean I'm looking at it around the no, corner. I know, now, I'm just you know, we're trying to get yeah, 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 to see if Daniel Jones's production could jump. And and that similar thinking may be how they go about attacking this offseason. Perhaps. I, once again, I still think it's nice to have weapons in both facets. I wouldn't necessarily put my marbles in just one basket. No, because that's fine. G- Giants learned the hard way this year. You lose that star wide receiver, John. You're back to square one, and then you don't have the running back to turn to. Where are you going? So there is risk involved in that scenario, but the individuals that are coaching this team and running this front office – do have experience in the opposite approach of how the Giants attacked on offense this season. And I think that at least bodes very well for them. alright zero one nine let Let's get to the calls. We're going to go till around 2 o'clock
4: today. So we've got about another 25 minutes or so of content. And then uh, we'll say sayonara, and we'll be back tomorrow, I believe. Are you on tomorrow, Lance, with me? I am indeed. Yeah, yep. Paul, Paul can't do it, so I'm going to be with you tomorrow okay, as well. Okay, so he we'll, Got you. Yes, <laughs> he, he'll, he'll be on his way to Chicago, I believe, or something. Or no, Boston, okay. or something like that. I, th- I think he's uh, going to warrant. Pearson's family that he's on his way back this weekend. And <laughs> well, I maybe say Pearson
5: hi. should warn his family.
4: Yeah, that's a fair I point. I already, already Okay, have. <laughs> just make sure you're on yeah, top. That's a good point,
1: gotcha. actually. You're yes. 100% right. Make sure there's no clouds, because he will yell at them. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
5: Uh, make sure you
4: go subscribe to the Giants Huddle Podcast. Uh, we got great interviews. I just did one with Rent Lewis that's coming up. I recorded one with Sean O'Hara that's coming up. Uh, we have a front office edition coming up next week. A lot of good stuff coming up on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Make sure you check it out. Subscribe on the Giants app, your favorite podcast platforms, or oh, go to Giants.com slash All right, we got a couple calls in line. We have one open one, and we'll keep taking them as long as they come in. Let's go to Mike in Atlanta. He will lead us off today. Mike, what's up?
0: Hey, guys. How are you?
5: Doing all right. What's on your mind? Uh,
0: Two quick things I want to ask your opinions of. So the Daniel Jones contract situation, one of the things I'm not hearing on this show or seeing from a lot of fans out there is really a basic understanding of, of the contract situation with Jones that if he's franchise tagged twice over the next two years, that's a guarantee of $72 million.
5: Yeah, that's correct. That yeah. 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 Cousins. Kirk Cousins, it, it's happened with Kirk Cousins with Washington. Yeah, 100%. Mike and Mike, I'm. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, Mike, um,
4: maybe you missed the show, but I was on with Paul last week, you know, and he was talking about numbers, and I said, look, he's never going to take less money on a long-term deal than he would get on the franchise tag. That's... The,
5: that's a non-starter. Yeah, That's the starting point for right. negotiations. Correct.
0: And, and that's where I'm getting to. So if you look at the contracts that are out there right now, where the starting point for the negotiations are, I think the Giants have to match the same contract that Derek Carr got last year, which was three years, $120 million, and that's $72 million guaranteed. That's the starting point for a deal. Otherwise, there's no reason for Daniel to really sign it and he's better off getting franchise
4: franchise tag twice. If, if he wants to maximize his dollars, and that's his number one concern, um, I'm sure that's what his agent is throwing out there. I, that, that would not surprise me. But maybe Daniel would prioritize not getting every single cent. I don't know the answer to that. Generally, on their first contracts, players try to get you know the bag, which I get. I mean, I would too. I understand that. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think... Though I think you're looking to me, any conversation that starts under 35 is probably unrealistic, and then you got to see how high it goes from there.
5: Also, keep in mind, Derek was not coming off a rookie deal. A little bit different in terms of the comparison head to head, and Derek had more of a resume compared to Daniel Jones. So I understand your point, Mike. I wouldn't say, though, they're somewhat similar. I think when the Raiders were negotiating with Derek Carr, I think his agent had a lot more to bring to the table in terms of production because Derek had done it for multiple seasons. Daniel's a little bit different. You know, this is one year where he did really well with Brian Dable. Also, from Daniel's perspective, I've thrown this out multiple times, If his philosophy is, I don't want to even entertain the idea of going through another coach and another coordinator because I've done that multiple times with the Giants, then the Giants have leverage, John, in that situation. Sure. Because they're going to him and saying, Daniel, you're coming off a really productive year. Brian Dable has tapped into your potential. You stay with us. You're going to make a lot of money over the long run if you continue on this trajectory. So that could be something that he's thinking, and therefore – you get minds that come more towards a middle ground as opposed to on opposite ends of the spectrum. I think if that's what Daniel Jones is thinking, and I think personally he should be thinking that, if he wants to think about what's good for the long-term viability of his career, that helps the team because the team can provide stability where if he goes elsewhere, once again, you're back to square one.
0: Yeah, I just have a feeling based off of Daniel's injury history, his agent is going to intercede and say you're going to have to come up with the cash. Uh, I don't think there's going to
5: be a hung-down discount on this one. That's just my opinion. No, and I'm right. not insinuating Thank that you, at all. Sure, yeah, and appreciate the And by call. the way,
4: you very well be right. We have no idea what Daniel's going to ask for, what his priorities are. We're just throwing out different potential scenarios of what this may look like. And look, would I like fall on my butt, be shocked if they end up tagging him and that's how he ends up playing this year? I would not surprise. I'm not saying that's the most likely but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me look we 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 we've seen it too many times
5: well also keep in mind if you use Kirk Cousins as an example i think washington was in a similar situation john i think they liked what kirk brought to the table they saw somebody that was productive but is he elite i don't yeah, know you know yeah. it was sort of iffy do 100%. we want this guy to be the long term do we need to see it again and hey to kirk's credit it worked out
4: now i think probably the giants feel again this is me extrapolating maybe i'm wrong i feel i think the giants probably feel a little bit better about jones than the washington did about cousins when That's he had free agency yeah
5: well also you're talking about somebody that is coming off a stable situation with a new coach. Remember, Kirk had some different coaches. Yeah, same Mike same Shanahan right? and Gruden. No, but also, I think maybe there were some question marks about the future of the coach Oh, I is got what you. I'm saying. When, they, when, they, when he signed that first tag, had they changed
4: coach that office? I've got to look back at the no, timeline. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but, you're right. but,
5: but I'm bringing up the fact that, because remember, you know he came in with RG3. That was Mike Shanahan, okay? Then Gruden comes in, and also... Gruden is inheriting some. But I understand that similar Dable inherited Daniel Jones, so did Joe Shane. But, but they had a full year with him. Yeah, them. they had yeah. a full year. They got to know one another a little bit different. And but it went well.
4: And it, and it seemed to go well by 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 all evidence. So
5: Yeah. And once again, Kirk, I think, in a different spot in his career than Daniel Jones, too. So I, I think those factors limit how far you could go with respect to the comparison. But there's no crime in a team having a quarterback player under the franchise tag or the quarterback, because the quarterback gets guaranteed money. So Daniel Jones would have security. And the Giants, they open themselves up to, they're committed to their quarterback, but at the same time, they're not signing on the dotted line long-term. The flexibility remains open. I personally, what I would utilize, John, if you're going to go down that road, I'd place the transition tag on him. Because then maybe you get closer to getting to a short-term deal where you say to Daniel, Daniel, we want you back. If you want to speak to somebody else or the agent, you want to test the market, see what else is out there. That gets
4: dangerous, though. Well, but you always the have other... the
5: opportunity to match, though.
4: Yeah, but what happens if somebody puts a contract out there
5: that you're not comfortable matching? Meaning like a poison pill of something? You're oh, whatever. About, you like, know, maybe someone throws him
4: 45 or $50 million a year. Something ridiculous. That's sure. Added, that's crazy. Well,
5: but you know what? Then you feel okay that you did your due diligence no, but and you I... said you weren't going to sign him to that number anyway. No, but you don't want to lose the player. No, of course yeah, but would you be willing to lose the player if his demands was forty five million? Take it or leave it. I'm out of here. No, then you franchise tag him. You can't lose him if you tag no, him. No, That's I I'm my under- point. If you use yeah. the franchise tag, you eliminate the
4: I understand the you're locked into that thirty two
5: number. Well, but right. then he doesn't have the chance to go and speak to anybody. Well, too bad. Whereas no, no, I get that. Whereas <laughs> what I'm saying is is well, that though,
4: you're- no though if you put the non exclusive franchise tag on him and the teams will only give up two ones then, which, yes, yeah. but we but I, really I'd say that's really, highly unlikely. I mean, maybe maybe for a guy like Lamar Jackson, another team might be willing to do that. It's possible, but we yeah. haven't really seen that happen. Very I find
5: often. it hard to believe that a team would give up two draft picks and then first pay, rounders for Daniel Jones, and then yes. pay forty. Could, could on I top see of a of team though? Once again, under the transition tag, speaking to him, negotiating right. with him, I could see that happening, which is what I think the Giants want to avoid. I just, I still don't see, and I understand the philosophy is it only takes one. I don't see a team giving him $45 million. Do you know, like, deep down inside, do you you see a scenario? Someone just guaranteed Deshaun Watson
4: all that money. Yeah, but even— Dude, I— No, no, John, I I get that. I would say— Look, I would would say it's unlikely. But would I ever say it's impossible? I've seen too much crazy stuff— with the NFL to say it's impossible. No,
5: and I get that. I'm just trying to think of rationally, track record. Like with Deshaun, despite his baggage, Deshaun had years of production. He had tier one level production. Where you I would know. say, okay, I'm willing I to know. take the chance. Daniel's not there. Now, if the Houston Texans, I'm just going out and looking at teams that need quarterbacks. How about the Jets? The Jets too. No, absolutely. And the Jets, they don't need to look that far. I mean, I'm sure they've paid attention to what's going on with the other team in that building. I just I still don't see them going to that forty five million dollar territory. I think there's a line of demarcation for most of these teams. And if we brought up forty five million, okay, forty five million would get us to Patrick Mahomes you know what? territory. Start at 43, just so you include Josh Allen. Okay. So Josh Allen. So then if you went to Derek Carr territory, you want to go, that's forty and a half. Could somebody go to forty Matthew Stafford? Maybe. I, I still think that's on the high side. The forty million where I'd be willing to take the risk of placing the transition tag and seeing if the market can completely dictate the terms of the negotiations. I just, I'd just i be willing to go with that. Now, if Daniel Jones had two to three years under our belt from the team perspective with production thriving with Brian Dable, no, I would absolutely not consider the transition tag. One year of 15 touchdowns and seven rushing touchdowns, I'd be willing to maybe go in that area. Lance, too, likes to live dangerously. I do. I'd be more than happy to live <laughs> dangerously. That's fine. Go on the wild side, however you want to word it. You are, you are willing I'd to be roll those to go codes, there. man. I like yes. it. I like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, once again, there's risk involved in everything, no, as you pointed is. to, John. And no, and once the again, risk is much reduced if you put the franchise down. No, uh, no, and I get that. But I also feel as if if you don't want to outbid yourself, right. it's a good tool, right? Because you're, right. Telling, you're telling the agent, you're telling the player, we value the player, but we're also not going to get to the point where we're just gonna pay somebody for the sake of paying somebody All right. because that's what the market dictates.
4: And look and, and look, I, I think I think ideally you work out a contract. I
5: don't think you Absolutely. want. Absolutely. That is the saw, best situation. We saw how before free agency starts, by the way. Correct. Would be 100%. the best situation.
4: Yeah. I want to be pulling into the combine in Indy in two weeks and hearing news about a contract. Extension. Correct. Have it all wrapped up. That's what I want to hear. I, I want to be sitting there with Joe Shane on Big Blue Kickoff Live, which hopefully we'll do again this year. And I could talk to him about the Daniel Joe's contract extension. That's what I want. But it's tough to, to figure that out. And, look, we just saw how ugly or tough it could get with a guy like Cousins to the, to the caller, I think it was Mike, to the caller's point. Once you get that first tag, the second tag gets much more expensive. It continues to go up. Yeah, and then it gets really, salary. really tricky. Plus, then you can't move money around, right? That yep. That tag is your cap hit for this year. And then all that cap space you want to do to, to do what I talked about earlier in the show, right? Bring in offensive linemen, bring in wide receivers, bring in weapons. Bringing Saquon back, it becomes really, really tough. Because you don't don't have
5: that placeholder.
4: Right. Beyond
5: that first year. Well, right. And just that first-year placeholder is so big. Yeah. You just don't have a lot of money left. Well, and also, the risk is he plays on the franchise tag. He has another solid year. He now has increased his value. Forget what the franchise tag is going to be. In terms of negotiating then a long-term deal, he brings up his value. This reminds me of the Dak Prescott situation with Dallas. Too, he right? bet on himself, he had that gear, and then he turned it into a deal. Just like you could also argue Washington didn't retain Kirk Cousins, but look at the guaranteed money he got from Minnesota. Yeah, three years, $100 million. Right? That was yeah. a product of what he did over the two years on the franchise tag. So, yeah, there's always risk to riding it out as opposed to locking up a player but I wouldn't fault a team for saying, hey, we really like what the player did, but we'd like to yeah. see a little bit more. And sometimes that's the best thing to do in that situation,
4: 100%. Exactly. It isn't something to go nuts about. Let's go to uh, Marty in Manahawk, and he's up next. And Dave in Texas, you're after him. Marty, what's up?
3: Hey, John, how you doing? Hey uh, I caught
4: your interview
3: hey. <laughs> I caught your interview with Rhett Lewis. Yes. And... Uh, he brought up a player who I was watching in the East-West uh, Shrine Bowl, and I was surprised that he brought him up. But I, uh, there's a reason why, because uh, he was all over the place. It was that defensive lineman from Ferris State, uh, Caleb Murphy.
4: Yeah, he, see, and, he uh, led all divisions. of. I think he actually set a record with over 25 sacks this year or something crazy like that.
3: Yeah, right. That's uh, that. That's what they were saying, that he came from Old Dominion. Uh that's definitely uh, would love to see how he works out with the uh, combine, what his times and stuff are. Uh, might might end up being a late round, like, uh, you know, maybe even like a sleeper pick, you know?
4: Yeah, I have not had a chance to watch him yet, so I, I don't have an opinion on the player other than the than the stat you just brought up. But look, that's a guy that you roll the dice out on, you know, maybe... Early day three, if you think you could develop him from a small school. And, again, I, I think you hit him, Marty. I think what he does at the Combine, you know, that's why the combine's so important in the All-Star Games, frankly, for these small school guys because you see them. They're so productive, but, you know, they're playing yeah. against accountants, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, you know, future yeah. doctors and nurses and lawyers and businessmen or whatever, you know, does his athleticism at the Combine match up to where he could succeed against better competition. So 100% right. I agree with you.
3: Yeah, he had good size. I mean, hes hes uh, I think he was 6'4", uh 245. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, that's a good size. And, uh, you know, and it, it ends up, uh, you know, how his speed and everything is, where they can end up, you know, actually
4: playing him, you know. No, 100%. Anything else, Marty?
3: No, that's it, John. Uh, right. uh, you know,
4: good times. everything's fine. All right. Oh, that, that's fine. great, Marty. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> the call, bud. All right, let's go to Dave in Texas. He's up next. Hi, Dave.
3: Hi, guys. I love your show. Uh, one pet peeve: I wish they'd stop asking you two how you're doing because you're you're just the healthiest people I hear about. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> nope,
4: nope, well, well, you know, you well, know, Dave, how about this? Next time somebody really asks me how I'm doing, I'm going to be honest with them, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we could go right? down that road. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: Anyways, I'd like to ask you what you think changing that field over is going to help in the injury department as far as legs and ankles are concerned with the Giants. No and idea. I, I, I remember going through this years ago. I've been in fan since the 60s. So I'm 81, and um, just enjoy your show. I love it, and I hope you guys do well. Take care. What's up? I'm John Wall.
1: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. okay.
4: I, I I appreciate it. Um, all right, so let me see what I, because this came out while I was at the Senior Bowl. So I honestly did not like read the read the full story here. Um is it actually official? I think it is. Yeah, I believe
5: that they had officially announced it. But
4: they're but they're sticking with a. Artificial yeah, it's not going service, to grass, right? correct. Yeah. So As we went through the season, we got a lot of calls about the surface, right? And we made the points. You look at the numbers and the statistics, and the NFL put these out. It's kind of evened out, the amount of injuries you suffer on turf as opposed to grass. But what we learned later in the year, as we got into more details with the stuff, there was a specific type of artificial turf. I forgot the name of it, but it was the type of turf that they have in Life Stadium and a couple other stadiums. That particular type of turf, again, these are according to statistics that got published by, I think it was outside sources, so... Again, I'm going off stuff that I haven't verified myself. But that specific type of turf did tend to to cause some more injuries. So I think if you get to that other type of synthetic turf, because again, I just think with two teams playing on a grass surface in the Northeast, that's going to get ugly real quick. Um, Hard to maintain it, too. Really is. And again, I I think the Giants would love to have them play on grass, but I don't think it's feasible. Um, Hopefully you get to that other type of turf and you have some reduction in injuries, but... Guys, you look at this stuff. Some of these major, giant injuries that people get really upset about—they even happen at home this year. Some happen at practice on grass. Yeah. So it it all depends, and you know, they're contact injuries. Like the Giants didn't have a lot of uh, soft tissue injuries this year. It was a lot of guys getting rolled up, and you know, things like that. Some guy in a Dory Jackson punt return slams into his knee and hyperextends it. Like that to me is not turf related. That's playing football related. So, yes, you hope it does reduce the the number of injuries. But, again, some of the injuries that Giants had this year were, you know, contact, broken bones, you know, things like that. So, I don't know how much of an impact it's going to yeah, have. There's on only
5: that. so much prevention, I think, that you could do when it comes to injuries. And there's other teams also. Sometimes I feel like we operate in this Giants bubble where, you know, the Giants are the only team that have been hit by injuries. Look at the Chargers over the last few years. Few years? Decade? Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, that may it put putting it one way. So, you know, they've been hit by massive injuries. And they've been playing on players. grass
4: until this year. Yeah, so... Until last year when they got the new I, stadium.
5: I just, I don't know how much stock I'd put into the fact that the turf is changing or they're going in a different direction and that's going to magically improve injuries. I, I think it's more of the individual, how they take care of their bodies, what they do in the off season and look how, luck? yeah, sure. I mean, that's involved too, but yeah, when you're talking about broken bones, you really think at the end of the day, it makes a difference what surface they're on, or you're going to tell me a guy can't get rolled up on, on grass. Of course he can. I mean, it happens. I mean, so, Saquon
4: Barkley tore his ACL in Soldier Field.
5: Yeah, on exactly. grass. And Sterling Shepard, who went down earlier. I mean, let's face it. Sterling had numerous injuries that leading was, up to No, that. that injury was not turf-related. Yeah. Wandel Robinson, he suffered that injury at home. That was the Lions game. Not enough to operate with Wondell. You mentioned yeah. the Adori injury was on a return, and he got banged up. Kavon Tibbs hurt his knee when a guy blocked and that was him against low. the Bengals in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. But to your point, somebody came at him very low. I really don't think that was no. It was because of turf- contact. And it wasn't because of the turf. Yeah.
4: Exactly. So, so all of
5: those things, I think you have to take into consideration. No, Colin
4: Johnson popped his Achilles on a grass practice field. Darian Beavers hurt himself. He was at practice too, right? Beavers
5: was Beavers at practice or was a game? I'd have to look that up. Not sure. I
1: thought Beavers was practice. Ojolari was at practice too, right? Yeah, Ogilari's yeah. Ogilari's calf calf was at practice, 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 and he came off
5: at the very end. Great that point. was actually uh, Ojalari was the joint practice with the Jets. Yeah, they right. Were, and it was it at was, the very end of that, and
4: they were doing conditioning and like light jogging at the end yeah. of practice. So, and he felt it. It's like the same. Way, remember Shepard when he heard his thing? He was like literally like almost like half running. And in, in it was it was really weird. Yeah, really
5: weird. So I, I think the more and more you analyze all of these injuries over the course of the season, and I don't think it's the surface. That is related to it. I know there's a movement. Clearly, a lot of players are pushing for there be more uniformity across the board. Bengals game for the the Bengals game. Yep, you're right. Okay, so it was the same game then that Kayvon was hurt. You got it. Variety of different factors that I think play a role. But But
4: again, if the turf played a small role in that, then you fix the turf and you get fewer, that's great.
5: Yeah, but you know what it comes back to? And we've had these conversations on this program about injuries and how do you over. Overcome them and so forth. And at the end of the day, it's more of a reason why, if you're Joe Shane, you try to add as much substance on the roster as humanly possible. That to me is the best way to overcome injuries. It's not debating do we have grass, do we have synthetic turf. Do we pour seeds on the ground? I mean, you need to have multiple options, and that's now with another draft class. And that you hit Joe Shane. it. It's the draft class. It's yeah. just, you don't have enough free agent money to do that in free no. agency. It's the draft. But that's why I keep going back to why did this team make a jump this year? It wasn't Joe Shane's first draft class. It was the guys that were presently here getting that better. also took leaps – Forward, okay? Dexter Lawrence is one guy. Had a career year. Andrew Thomas. Yeah. So now you want to see those guys continue to move forward, and then you add more draft classes. Yes, that's how you go about making sure that in the event somebody goes down, you're still in a good position to remain competitive and run the schemes and get at least near the level of execution that you had hoped. Yeah, and they've only had one draft class to do that. And you're right, some of the top picks in, in
4: the previous administration have, have stepped up and they've become franchise cornerstones, which is why the Giants were in the playoffs this year, um, and now you need to f- continue to draft well, and that's how you fill out the bottom of the roster, because you're not going to have enough money to sign a bunch of good veteran backups, it's just, it gets too pricey too fast, especially in a free agent class this year that, generally speaking, Lance is not very strong, and everyone is always going to have money to spend, so... We're going to be sitting here on um, whatever it's going to be, March 12th. I don't know what day. That's off the top of my head. Second week of March when free agency hits. We're going to see some dollar amounts for some of these free agents this year. it oh, happens every year. That the players are not great, but they just happen to be the best player available at that position. And they're going to get paid so much money because a team like the Bears have a record-setting amount of cap space. I think over $100 million for Chicago. It's ridiculous. And these guys are going to get paid. And it's going to be it's going to dry up real quick because it's not a deep class to begin with in free agency. Guys are going to get paid a lot. And then when you get to that second or third tier, they're still going to be a little pricey because teams have money to spend, but the players are not going to probably match that. So I think you're really looking at the draft here as you try to build out this roster. And the Giants have an extra third this year. They could get an extra five, six, or I think a six and a seven, or maybe two sevens in terms of compensatory picks. So that that's what you're looking at here in terms of trying to fill out this roster. And it's not going to be a one-year proposition. It's going to take a couple years here. You know what I
5: mean? Well, 100%. Because you can't expect to move mountains when also your general manager just came into the equation. You got to look at it from that standpoint, right? He has one draft class. This is going to be year two. And no money to spend last year. Well, and that's what I was getting at. Because (laughs) if he just started to attack cleaning up cap space, do you really think at the end of the day, he wants to now say to himself, yeah, I'm going to go now spend all the money that I freed up. Who operates like that? No. That's more of a reason well, why and you have to the plan. draft makes sense. And you got to plan ahead for your own guys. Like
4: Exactly. And again, this is not me trying to pour cold water on Giant fans. We get accused of this all the time, but we're just telling you what the fact of the matter is here, that if you re-sign Daniel, and, and let's say you bring back Saquon, and let's say you bring back Julian Love, so you bring back all three guys.
5: Or you also give Dexter Lawrence an extension. It's not a must, but perhaps. Or Xavier McKinney. Sure. Or maybe you, ex- you know, whatever. Your
4: money goes real fast real fast. So yep. I don't think this is going to be a big bringing all these big money guys from elsewhere, you know, maybe you do a trade to bring in a, a big time wide receiver from somewhere, but then
5: you may need to give him an extension though.
4: Right. So you trade. So for you're him. talking about then using trade ca- draft capital on the player and then paying him on top of that. Yep. Which in the end if you really want to get a true number 1 wide receiver, maybe that's what you have to do and you have to bite the bullet at some point and this is your to do it because you're picking later in the first round rather than earlier. Sure, but again, that's more cap space you have to allocate down the road because now you're looking at wide receiver ones Lance. They're getting twenty five million dollars a year. The top defensive tackles are getting upwards of twenty five million a year. Look at Trent Williams' contract. The top left tackles twenty five. And he's up there in age too, by the way. Yep. Correct. But that's what do you think the agents for Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence are going to ask for? Like that's where they're going to be, and they're great young players that have played in a, in a ton of football for your team and have played at a high level this past year. So you have to plan ahead. You have to plan ahead. And if you're going to bring those guys back at premium positions for big-time money, and I would consider Andrew certainly, Daniel certainly, and pass rush anal edges are generally considered premium positions. But if you have a really good pass rushing defensive tackle, you're telling me Aaron Donald's not a premium player? At a premium spot, it's just hard to find guys that can do that like they can. So, you're, you're right. It's going to have to be the draft that fills out the roster. And it's well, going to take a couple
5: years. Yeah, and that's why I think I think Dexter Lawrence is probably the strongest candidate for an extension. Well, he has one year left. Yeah, so. I don't know if I'd approach anybody else. I'm not saying you were going in that yeah. direction. But, you know, even Andrew Thomas, I'd maybe let the well, rookie deal. He's got deal. two years. That's yeah, fine. I'd let that ride and out. By I don't the think way, you need to teaser work on that.
4: Teaser they're probably going to pick up his fifth-year option. I'm just
5: saying. (laughs) You're really going out on a limb on that
4: one.
5: I I don't like to live February 8th, 2023. I prefer to live safely. Yeah. Well, I live a little bit more on the edge from that (laughs) standpoint. The only other thing that I did want to throw out on the topic of free agency, you mentioned there's going to be a lot of spending that goes on. Remember, the cap's going up. So when the cap goes up, the average annual salaries are going to go up with them. That's more of a reason why you should expect if you don't look at a lot of top-tier guys out on the market— They're going to get more money because there's more spending money as a result of the cap. So, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast that's going to happen. Now, listen, that means the Giants will eventually, as the years progress, and perhaps they create some cash space, they'll have more wiggle room. But the wiggle room, it's only so much because when the cap goes up, the contracts are relative. Right to the increase in the cap. That's my point. It's not like you go from, oh, we're going to get 20 more million dollars in cap space. We had 40, so now we have 60. No, you're going to have to eat up a lot of that because the wide receiver deals, which were 20, they're going to go up to twenty-five, right? And the mm-hmm. defensive linemen are going to jump, so you have to take that into consideration as well. All right, we'll be back tomorrow.
4: Lance and I will be back with you at the regular time at twelve-thirty. We have no shoots on the schedule tomorrow. Again, to apologize for the late start today, but thank you for sticking with us. The Giants official connected TV streaming at Giants TV has original video content, game highlights on-demand, direct to big blue fans. It's on free Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Giants mobile app, and of course, don't forget. Become a, bring, Take your Giants fandom to the next level with a Giants season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. Learn more about all the exclusive member benefits. Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. For Lance, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you tomorrow. Big Blue Kickoff Live.
2: At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody.